In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I'm so excited today. We have an incredible guest, and I know that for those people who enjoy intelligent conversation, you're going to enjoy the guest we have today. One, Henrietta Sutores. She is a biomedical scientist, an entrepreneur with more than 25 years of international experience in various fields such as virology, cancer, development biology, stem cell research, neuroscience, and behavioral studies. Her academic work has received numerous academic awards, both in Europe and the United States. She's a double threat there. Her work has been published in multiple high-impact journals. It seems to me that on any given weekend, she's presenting something somewhere in the United States or in Europe somewhere. It's exciting to see. In 2023, Henrietta founded Objective Recovery, which is a new startup that uses neurobiology and modern digital technology to address the lack of effective personalized solutions to substance use disorders. Henrietta, I'm so thankful you're here today. How are you feeling today? Thank you so much, George. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's an honor. Because I feel honored because you. I, I looked at the, some of the podcasts and you have so many interesting guests. So it's good to, it's, I feel honored to be part of it. So, yeah. So what? Uh, yeah, I yes, feel the same thank way. You for the really nice introduction. So you actually introduced me, really. You know, what do I have to say? <laughs> so. Well, I I think that your your you, the points that you bring up in conversation and the ideas that you talk about and the people you influence say quite a bit about you. And I I want to before we get started, you know, you had. You and I talked previously a little bit, and you had told me a little bit about a lucid dreaming boot camp that you came to in Hawaii. I thought that might be a good place just to start off to get things going. Yeah, because I know that you are located in Hawaii, so I would love to visit. So I visited yeah. once in uh, about 12, 15 years ago, and the purpose of that trip was 
So I, I attended a lucid dreaming boot camp, and it was uh, lucid dreaming is for those of um, those people who are not familiar. It's basically just the idea that we are aware in, when we dream, we are aware that it, it's it's dreaming. It's not real because most of the dreams uh, feel like and uh, seem like it's reality. And so these guys who organized this event, uh, they studied so a part of the scientists. So it's Stephen Labage, and they uh, they have a very long history of study studying this and organizing events like this. So it was basically a course learning about the background, the scientific background of lucid dreaming, the neuroscience of it, and what could be the potential applications. And there are many different use, use, potential uses like creativity, any kind of creative thinking, creative problem solving, and also just adventure because, you know, what's, be what's better than, uh, you know, having all these adventures without having to take a drug or going anywhere, <laughs> just sleeping. So so I did that. Uh, so it's one of, I think I think it's very representative of my interest. It's a bit like unusual, and I'm in, interested in. I like to explore many things that uh, that are not, not necessarily conventional. So that was just part of it. Yeah. Do you think that 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 was something that began your inspiration into being an entrepreneur? Was this ability to manipulate dreams? No, that actually started uh, very much earlier in my life. So it started actually in my childhood. Uh, because I grew up with a, with an entrepreneur father, and who was very uh, so we had a very close relationship, and I, I actually even helped he, him in his business as a child, and we even uh, he even uh, involved me into and taught me how to think in and have to develop a business thinking mm. because we made deals that uh, he would pay me to help him during summer vacations when I was in school in his business and things like that. So it kind of organically uh, developed my interest in that from that relationship and his, you know, being in that environment. And then uh, I actually started my very first business with him. That was very, very different from everything that I have done since. So it was more like focusing on plants, exotic plants and uh, selling them and uh, uh, making a creating a unique distribution of different types of exotic plants and it lasted for uh, many years actually it was very good to very useful to support myself uh, um, while I was uh, completing my studies so to have some extra income yes. mm -hmm. And then, and then the rest of my, my business is for, I kind of lived a double life. I like to describe it that way because uh, I have this uh, long academic background. I always wanted to be a scientist already when I was like 10, year, 10 years old. And so that was that came just very early and I never changed my mind about that. But I had many interests and also this business interest. So I, I always had this... Uh, this double life meaning that I had, I was doing research in academia, basic research, some clinical research as well, and always had different businesses. And the rest of my businesses were in biotech and one in behavioral research technology. And uh, the most recent one, Objective Recovery, is uh, focusing on helping people find uh, the best uh, personalized solutions to uh, addictions, substance use disorders. So that's more or less Short version. <laughs> There's a lot in there. It seems, first off, I think it's an incredibly beautiful story to hear about you building a a foundation of business with your father. I think that in some ways, families are like a business. And there's all kinds of talks about family businesses. And you can learn so much in that way, especially about like an ethical way to run your life and see your see your life like that. Is Was your grandparents also in like that similar entrepreneurial mode? 
So actually, I never met my grandparents because I was kind of a late child. So they were mm -hmm. already gone when I was, you know, when I was born, and and so. But uh, I know that you know from the stories that at least one of my grand grandfathers was also. He also had his own business, his own life. So <laughs> that's kind of the influences, yeah. and I had many others uh, around me also with that background as a, as a child already. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about the environments we grow with and the same for plants or the same for the environment we find ourselves in, which, you know, maybe maybe we could think about mental health in the 21st century and the environment we're in. You had posed a really good question to me that was something along the lines of, is it really getting worse, these, this idea of mental health? Or do we just have increased awareness, less stigma? And the more people realize it and speak out about it, like what? What do you think about that? That's a great question, and I was thinking about it, but I, I would wanted to kind of throw it back to you and get your opinion about it. Yeah, so I can I can share a bit of personal yeah. history with that Please. because I think it's very relevant. So when I was growing up, and so I'm originally from Hungary in Europe, and when I was growing up, that was like a really long time ago. There was absolutely <laughs> no awareness uh, uh, about mental health, so nobody spoke about it, and nobody, not even not even treatments were available. There was nothing like psychotherapy so popular in the United States, for example, but it was already even ten years ago, not in my home country. So I. I grew up in a in a way that that uh, nobody recognized these things, but at the same time, I developed quite early in my life some uh, some some challenge, challenges mm -hmm. in that area, and that's also where my interest comes from—a big portion of my interest. And it was very hard to navigate that because nobody really understood, and there was a lot of misunderstanding. So, for example, I had an eating disorder when I was a child, and then other like anxiety, uh, depression, things like, and later on I experienced an addiction but at the time I I was already aware it's from my own studies and so it was very difficult to to actually resolve that uh, that problem and to to even to think about it uh, that you know I didn't know what I was experiencing and even when I visited uh, uh, for example I uh, had experiences running to the doctor with panic attacks when I was mm. very young and at the time I I had no clue about anxiety that that was a thing, and so I thought that I had a problem with my heart. And you know, I was nineteen, running to my primary care doctor, and even him never mentioned that this may be anxiety. Just prescribed me a, a medication mm. like a beta blocker medi medication that that is now being used uh, for anxiety as well. It's very common, but at the time, no. And it, it it happened more than once, and so then I that's how I learned that actually. So I have this. So something I have this kind of predispositions. It also runs in actually mental health issues running both lineages of my family, family different types. Yeah. And so I learned very gradually and through my own experience that uh, mental health, the thing that this is what I'm experiencing. And so and and this drove me into uh, 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 this field. And uh, that's how I developed an interest in actually studying this because I wanted to understand it. Nobody else understands or tells me anything about it. I will. <laughs> yeah, that's really well said. Do you think that? What was more troubling for you when you were going through this? Was it the fact that you didn't know what was happening to you? Or was it more of like, I want to understand this thing? Or like, what was it that, that was really causing the anxiety? Was it like a thought loop? Or does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. So I think from what I figured out over the years, I think I 
personally, it's not for everyone, but personally, I think I, I just have a, a like a physiological predisposition because other members of my family also had anxieties, and it's very well known that that's a thing. So some people develop it from um, you know early life traumas and things like that. But I think I, I definitely have that kind of physiological predisposition. So that's how, and so that's a, that's actually a very weird thing because if you don't know that's what what's happening, then it always feels like anxiety is a very weird experience because it always feels like something is, is really, you don't know what is mm -hmm. wrong. And sometimes people project it into the environment onto other people that the cause is some, something out there, something I'm doing something wrong, but it's a very, very often it's just uh, so we don't understand. And so definitely, uh, definitely my, my, my interest, the origin of my interest was first of all, trying to understand what was going on with me. I think it's very common uh, in people uh, who uh, ended up in the mental health field. You know, we want to cure ourselves, and uh, but also in a larger scale. So I had also, you know, in my my relationships, I also met other people who had different issues, and it, it was so puzzling and affected, you know, the relationship and uh, many many things. And so uh, I just developed a very strong interest in this way. Yeah, I think that that's something similar that happens to most people. And it brings me back to the main question, which, you know, was, is mental health in the 21st century, is it getting worse or do we just have increased awareness? I think it might be both and. I think it is getting worse and we do have more awareness of it. But I, I think that as we're going through this 21st century, it's a lot like your life. If we look at it from a fractal angle, society the world we live in is becoming aware just like you became aware when you were a teenager. And because it's happening on this mass scale, there's more awareness and it's just compounding in the effect right there. What do you think about it being a both and? Yeah, I definitely think it's both. And uh, the awareness, the awareness is even, it, it has become almost like a fashion trend these days. You know, it's like, you know, just we all want to be, you know, just improve our, uh, elevate our, our, our self-awareness and awareness of the world. Or this, the talk about, you know, psychedelics and these uh, experiences. So it's it's a lot of interest. But at the same time, uh, I think it's the, the lifestyle that uh, mm. compared to what uh, the lifestyle that we live now and, you know, humanity or especially the modern, uh, uh, parts of the world that uh, it, it, it has changed a lot since I was born and you know I was a child so it's the lifestyle that we live now it's very very fast paced and it's very uh, very high expectations and and uh, also the the access uh, to information and uh, having the internet and it's going now all these new technologies and it's it's it it, it, it has made the lifestyles very kind of crazy a bit yeah. and it's very and I, I don't think that human beings had uh, have had enough enough times to biologically adapt to these changes and i think this this is the other main uh, uh, reason that the, the main drive that has created this uh, increased uh, prevalence of mental health issues in the in the in the last 10 years or so and especially now we had the pandemic and mm -hmm. uh, now the pandemic is resolved, but still the mental health uh, in general, it's not, uh, or the statistics show that it's not getting better at all. So I think it's the lifestyle and the awareness. Yeah. Do you think that maybe what we're seeing is, it, it seems to me from what I've read, the different case studies and someone who studies, studies this will know better than me. It seems to me that a lot of people right before they have a breakdown, they, they, 
they get they have like the last straw or their last moment. And maybe I'm I'm both thankful but a little worried because it feels to me like we're at that last straw, whether it's COVID, whether it's Ukraine, it's it's always this giant thing that is about to cause the world to fail. And it just seems we're we're running on fear. And I'm wondering what you think the relationship to fear and mental health is. Yeah, it's definitely that has also it's because of this lifestyle, especially in the past uh, three years, you know, the pandemic and uh, the economic uh, changes and all these uncertainties that it's much higher level uh, created this higher level of fear. And uh, uh, so it's uh, definitely uh, it's kind of a doomsday yeah. thinking that many, many people yeah. develop and keep developing. And especially probably you, you, you also see this that uh, young, young, the younger generations like, uh, um, you know, uh, 20 something and teenagers uh, uh, it's quite clear that they they have a lot of mental health issues and it's part of it is because they are aware of it but it's also it's i think it's the 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 consequences of this uh, this uh, um, you know fast paced crazy lifestyle and, yeah uh, and it's also so in terms of you know your comment about uh, you know reaching that i so in addi the addiction field we often mm -hmm. describe we have this term uh, 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 reaching rock bottom yes and, uh, well so that's something that uh, there is a lot there are a lot of debates among you know people mm. who have experienced addiction so addiction professionals if it's some people suggest that that's usually what catalyzes change real change and the motivation for change in many people with addiction so we can apply it uh, equally well to uh, any other i think most other mental health issues and even like you know an existential crisis and yeah. all existential crisis but in my opinion actually that varies because it depends on a lot of factors it's not everyone has to reach the rock bottom so the you know the worst state because what is the worst worst in my yeah. opinion for a human is what death maybe you know. <laughs> so you can always get worse and uh, so that's what also many people don't uh, recognize because they you know, we, we have this tendency that's a, a survival biological survival mechanism also that we always uh, try to focus on the positive and minimize the negative is just to basically just to survive and this uh, thinking this mindset is also applied automatically to these problems when there is a problem like that so people always think that you know those bad things will yeah. happen to others not to me and some of them are actually quite predictable so and some people uh, recognize uh, much earlier they don't need to go near that uh, you know, rock bottom, you know, death, near death experience. Uh, so it's also, it's very, it's very different. It's very, uh, very varied also. It's just in my field, in the, in the addiction, you know, field that uh, people who experience addiction and what catalyzes them to resolve their own. So it's, I love talking to you, Henry. Like sometimes I think that one of the reasons I love talking to you is because the way in which you describe things is like an intricate clock. You tell me about all the different moving parts and how the gears are moving the other parts. Like, I love that. And I, I really think that the people listening to this can get a better understanding of that. And la that leads me to this question about addiction and recovery, of which you have spent almost a lifetime studying. And this is a sort of a complex question, but I'll try to simplify it the best I can. And it's something along the lines of, Sometimes I feel that addiction is, is um, contagious. And the reason I think that is because there's a lot of great things that come from this 
crazy thing called addiction or hitting rock bottom, people that find themselves in that fringe, in that rock bottom, addicted to something, frantically searching it, they usually, when they come out the other side, if they make it through, they usually come out with an entirely different mindset or the ability to see things in a different way they never have before. And that can be addicting. That can be this thing that changes them. It can be this thing that people turn to them for. So have you noticed those, those, that weird sort of dichotomy between addiction and, and uh, you know, contagion and, and people wanting to go there to change? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's maybe I have an opinion about what you call yeah. contagious. Uh, uh, I think it can be that way. It's literally, like, you know, people learn the behavior from others. Like, if you know, it's not contagious, like a virus right. would be or, you know, a pathogen. But definitely, it's a lot of it. It's a, you know, huge area and literature in this field. But uh, I more think that it's, 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 it's because we are biologically wired to develop actually mm. addictions because it's the mechanisms that, uh, that create create the, the addictive mindset and those behaviors it's it's set it's set in us so that's we, we are born with it and so those mechanisms actually set, serve basic survival so examples that i like to cite for example so it's you know it's basically seeking rewarding positive uh, uh, pleasurable experiences and that's that's what an addict we'll do also in uh, with drugs or any behavior you know gambling sex whatever but there are very basic and everyone uh, knows that basic mechanisms that normal people do that serve our survival and the necessary essential for survival like feeding you know eating and usually eating yeah. is, is 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 pleasurable for for most people if it's not, then there is usually a problem. And uh, uh, procreation, you know, and then sex. And so these are two things that are also, they can become an addiction. And so we are biologically wired to, to seek, seek these experiences and to, to, uh, to uh, experience pleasure and, you mm -hmm. know, euphoria, whatever we want to call it, from these normal experiences. And what happens in addiction is that it gets, very often they use the word that uh, it gets, that whole system is hijacked by experiences that are more, you know, they, they, they provide a, a stronger reward, a subjective reward, like a drug. They are usually much stronger than a food or, you know, a relationship or anything like that. So it's basically, and what happens is that some people have, a, are more, uh, uh, again, biologically wired, predisposed to, to seek out these experiences. And so uh, that's also, there is a huge uh, body of literature that uh, genetic predispositions and other types that yes. can actually trigger people into uh, these, uh, you know, negative uh, self-destructive behaviors that uh, turns into an addiction. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. I'm curious, at when, when you, was it this process that you went through and then all the things that you've studied that what that that helped you open up objective recovery that's the first part of the question the second part of the question is at objective recovery at your new startup how are you using neurobiology and modern digital technology together yeah thank you for asking that question yeah. so the first part so that's uh, the the main inspiration for that was actually my own experience with addiction, and now it's luckily it's in the far past, so I recovered <laughs> from it. It was a very difficult experience, yeah. just like for anyone else. 
you know, I was not exempt from, you know, even uh, I was I was a part of this uh, experience when I saw so I had a drinking problem and I'm very open about it. I speak yeah. about it on social media every, everywhere now, but I used to be very secretive, just like everyone else. And so, of course, that was very difficult and it was very difficult to resolve. That was also the experience that that partially inspired me to actually change, make a big, big mm-hmm. shift in my career, my research career, because before I I have not always been in neuroscience. I started out in other areas of biology like he listed in the beginning of this conversation and that inspired me for this change because again as you as you as you uh, uh, alluded to uh, I wanted to understand myself and you know just how this works and so and that but that was a long time ago and then I resolved my own problem and it was so it was so bizarre even experiencing this with with all the knowledge because I was already in neuroscience during part of that experience and studying actually addiction that was my my, my specialty and I always felt like uh, almost like you know again double life and because I was hiding it uh, to my knowledge nobody really knew about it unless I, I shared it so uh, and uh, this uh, this uh, dissonance this cognitive dissonance that it created uh, you know in my mind that was very part one of the most difficult parts of the addiction for me and so uh, even when I decided finally that I want to change my life I want to quit and you know uh, recover from it it was a very long process so it was it was not any easier for me even with this background maybe a little bit easier but it basically it mostly became easier once I found the practical resources that were a good match for me that helped me in my recovery so I couldn't just uh, you know cure myself and uh, just with a with a mindset right. that it doesn't work that way for most people so I, I needed uh, other help and uh, uh, so I was also just like many other people at first I tried things that were not a good match for me and I was I got stuck in those sometimes even um, People develop uh, like you know just this concept of trading addictions that when someone yeah. someone had a one type of addiction and uh, they quit that one and then they have this predisposition they are still seeking something they don't resolve that uh, issue that you know they don't feel that. Uh, a hole or whatever we want to describe it and then so they, they get into other experiences and it can go forever and for example i got almost like addicted to to uh, a community of uh, mm. recovery addiction recovery yeah. community online and that was so bizarre and i was not <laughs> even you know it, it was it was many years ago now but, but even that with me i consider myself very introspective i, I have always been but you know being an uh, in active addiction and going through that why it's happening it's very hard to see clearly and I I was really stuck in trying to just over and over even trying this method and people were just for, uh, trying to add uh, the community members trying to 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 force me that this is yeah this is what you have to do and mm-hmm. luckily I got out of that and I found what really worked for me and so so I, I just went through this uh, this whole experience myself and then Two years ago, about two years ago, I, I made a big change also again in my career and I, I quit a long academic history. I had mm-hmm. over 20 years, so I always had an academic position in different areas and I decided that I wanted to become 100% self-employed and pursue consulting first in these mental health areas and and then uh, this idea of objective recovery uh, and uh, uh, focusing on the recovery side had been incubating in my mind for a long time and mm-hmm. so I decided to finally pursue it 
first uh, just doing some market research last year and uh, it, it showed a lot of interest and then uh, basically we started this uh, uh, just a few uh, months ago this year so it's brand new and so uh, 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 again it's the problem that we are addressing here is 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 also what i experienced and many i saw many people experience it's not really developing new treatments but the problem of choice in the first mm. what would be an appropriate the best personally most suitable uh, treatment or treatment combination for a person based on their own background and uh, uh, their, um, you know, that what drives their problems and uh, their, how they make decisions, their thinking style and, uh, you know, uh, everything, you know, personality and, uh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and also their goals, because that's also part of the part of the big issue in the, the addiction treatment industry is that very often the provider try, uh, tries to uh, enforce uh, right. a goal uh, onto the person who, who tries to recover. That, for example, many providers still only uh, believe in complete abstinence, and that's mm. very hard. that can be extremely right. hard to achieve for many people. So, so we we target this uh, problem of choice, and uh, since we have this, you know, the 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 era of technological development and uh, the AI and all these tools mm. are available now. So we are using actually a. An AI-powered, a machine learning-powered uh, uh, method to assess people and create an experience for them. So it's a it's a gamification. So it's, mm. so it's not just a, a, a questionnaire, and you know that's how people usually when they go when they see a, a psychiatrist or psychologist, they, they are asked questions, but that does that cannot reveal really, you know, unconscious motives, for example, that are very important for addiction. So we want to tap into that and so we are creating this gamified uh, uh, experience and assessment and uh, collect data during that experience and then use that data to match people with treatment. So that is amazing. I love it. I, I love the idea of using well maybe like you said it's not like a brand new you're not revamping everything but you are taking this idea of okay everyone's got to just stop cold turkey like that's not going to work it doesn't hasn't worked in the past and if it does work people that stop cold turkey usually relapse i think i read somewhere between seven and eight times before they make it so they're never really stopping cold turkey they're just stopping in chunks and and that can be just as detrimental to people's health too because when you're told to just stop doing something that doesn't manifest in just the act of the thing you're addicted to. It usually stops in, okay, I'm not going to talk to my friends. I'm not going to go outside. I'm not going to do, you know, that comes with a large chunk of other things. And I'm, I would like to talk a little bit more about this idea of gamification and managing the actual recovery. Because it's in a lot of times in science, we hear things like, how can you manage what you don't measure? So I guess when you have a game, you're able to measure your progress and seeing how you're performing at that level. And when you put it in the language of gamification, you're kind of taking out some of the seriousness, which is sometimes a roadblock for people. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about the way in which you're, you're measuring these people's, the way you measure their, their recovery and how you manage it. 
Yeah, so it's actually what we are doing with the gamification. It's not really a long-term monitoring of recovery. So it's again, it's the beginning before they make the choice that what treatment they want want to pursue. So it's basically an assessment, a, a behavioral assessment, mm, a form of okay. assessment. And so what we measure is so it's very open-minded and very open-ended, and people can create their own narrative, their life narrative. Ah. So basically, uh, share during this experience via this experience who they are. You know what what life. They, they they have and where they come from, what experiences they 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 had uh, uh, earlier in their life, and also how this problem developed. And what they, they what they do is basically it's just a, almost like a conversation, right. but with a, through this uh, like fantasy like environment in the game, and then they don't need to think. And that's 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 exactly mm. the point that, that is important that they don't need to think about you know how they answer you know answering questions or anything like that. So they ju- just engage, just like we are engaging in a conversation, but it's much more spontaneous than that. And what we are measuring, so this is what we are still figuring out because it's still, as I mentioned, it's very early stage. So it's product okay. development, early stage testing and figuring out what, what type of information is uh, most uh, useful. And uh, so, so it's basically the narrative and also the decision making characteristics. And so uh, basically different, uh, different aspects of that personality. And uh, so it's again the, the 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 trick, if you can put it that way, mm-hmm. is that they don't need to they don't need to think. It's just like addiction itself is a you know it's an impulse problem. Mm. It can also be they can be as impulsive as, as they want, and they can also and and then so it's basically just uh, a, a, a normal a natural way of, of sharing who they are and the non-judgmental also private because you, they don't need to go to a, an office or not even to a community. It will be just uh, the the platform and the, the person, or if they want, uh, they can do it with a with a doctor or any treatment provider. And so it, it 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 makes it very. They will. Uh, the, the expectation is that they will feel much more comfortable and uh, to share who they really are and without yeah. probably parts of themselves that they don't know because they won't know what what type what type of data we are collecting during the experience. That's really well put. I think a big part of it may be not knowing who you are. And if we look back to the classics, you know, I, it was Socrates who was like, "Know thyself." And it sounds to me. If, if we backtrack so that we can move forward in your discussion about your addiction, it seems that you came to a point where you thought different about yourself and then there was change. And then we fast forward into what you're doing with objective recovery. And it sounds like you're providing people with an opportunity to see themselves differently. Yeah. I know that's kind of a lot right there, but is, is, does that sound accurate? Yeah, it is. It is quite accurate. Actually, there is also a part that uh, that if you compare the the, the data uh, mm-hmm. from this gamified experience uh, with a with a traditional self survey, so like a questionnaire. So the goal of that is that you know with the with the survey, it's just simple a simple question, just very similar to any psychiatric or psychological instrument, or behavioral testing instrument. Mm. And so that's more like a conscious way of answering questions and sharing who they are. And then so that will be one 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 source of data, and the other source is, is this is game is this game gamified experience. And one goal is also to provide to compare them the the 
the results from the two, the data from the two, and and see if there is any discrepancy because that can reveal uh, reveal that can be very helpful for people to see where they think their own thinking is probably doesn't match with what drives them really and uh, provide feedback, a very clear feedback, and so they get. It's just like you know how I learn myself that some things that I thought about myself uh, not necessarily what would work for me or what other people recommended to me uh, were not the best choices for me. <laughs> it's on some level I'm wondering, you know, when you give people this behavioral test, is it like you give someone like a Briggs Myers or they figure out if they're EFNG or EFNJ and then you could tailor something to them that would more than likely fit their uh, fit their pathway if that kind of makes sense. Is that something similar? Yeah, it is actually. So it's good that you mentioned the the, the MBTI because actually I, I'm drawing some concepts. I like it very much that one yeah. and also some others. And uh, I have done. I'm a big fan of the personal yeah. test, personal theories. So I've done basically probably most of the tests that are out there so, so far in my life. I find that, find it very helpful to and the result. And so it's drawing concepts and ideas from many of these theories, different systems. But it's also the synthesis. Uh, putting them together in this, you know, this uh, like a 20 minute experience is brand new how it's you know synthesized together and it's also some of it is just really hardcore uh, uh, neuroscience and behavioral psychology that is not really personality theories but it's also involves that you know decision making characteristics because it's very important about again the choice of treatment Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I can tell you an example, for, you know, from my own life that when I was using, trying to use this community, I was always told that you need a community to recover from an addiction. That's the most mm -hmm. important thing. And many people do find that the most helpful. For me, as I shared with you earlier, that was detrimental because I just got hooked on that because, uh, you know, I was so isolated due to this addiction and many other tendencies, personality tendencies in my life. And I used mm. it in the wrong way. And uh, uh, so it's, uh, um, it's also, so it's basically, you know, it's just uh, trying to, to straighten out those mis- uh, perceptions and so it's actually my own in my own experience i i had some ideas at the very beginning mm -hmm. that might help me but I, I i just rejected them very early mm -hmm. like medication and more like you know more like scientific based not community-based method methods because knowing who i am but mm -hmm. other i also i just listened to you know this and just basically did the wrong the wrong thing and i ended up doing what i but my intuition suggested <laughs> to me and that that worked for me so in my case but it's not for everyone um, yeah it's it's interesting to think about and that kind of brings me to this idea of relationships sometimes the relationships we have with things you, know, you could describe addiction as a relationship or you could you could describe your relationship to that group, your relationship to spirituality. So when I when I bring out this monster, this monolith called relationships, like what do you think about? Yeah, so the, this definitely plays a big role and in many different ways because, you know, if, if you want to discuss relationships, I, I I would always take it back to, you know, you're just going, but not only just, because many people, when, when it's the word relationship is mentioned, they automatically think about interpersonal, human-human, you know, interpersonal right. relationships. But the actual word, if you look at, look up in the dictionary, it's not that. It's basically just the connection of, of, of things, concepts, objects, anything. It's a connection. 
And so the, the situation that that connection creates, that's the relationship. And that can be one, 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 form, one form of that relationship, possible relationship in the, is the interpersonal relationship. And of course, yeah. uh, in addiction, that's very important in many different ways. Uh, the very basic is just the relationship, the misguided relationship that people develop with the, with the drug of choice or the behavior, the addictive behavior of choice. That's also it's a kind of relationship and the relationship with themselves. That's also mm. very important because many people, they don't get, they don't have that. So that that's actually one of the, the biggest culprits in addiction that, that many people have. They, they never developed a good self-esteem, a good relationship mm. with themselves and and it's chronically, you know, they struggle in that area, and they 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 are seeking a substitute, and they right. end up they experience a drug, and then you know that creates many of the drugs um, create uh, this uh, you know experience that people feel that they are very powerful, everything is is good and you know wonderful and all this, and it's just distorted, you know, it's uh, basically a real, reality distortion, and so they end, end up chasing that, and also human relationship. It, relationships interpersonal right. relationships that's also a, a huge area even in in uh, in the science the research that how that play a big role in the development uh, of addictions for many people especially uh, early life relationships because that's when we learn how to relate to not only to other people again going yeah. back to you know the bigger bigger question the bigger concept of this basically when after we are born we, le we learn it's a you know it's a very intense learning uh, to to relate to the, the external world because it's many people even describe that birth itself it's almost like a trauma the first yeah. trauma that we experience <laughs> yeah. and then, yeah. Uh, learning to relate and and many things can go wrong and uh, uh, it's very very well uh, uh, well known uh, knowledge these days that for example you know traumatic experiences early in life in, in the family in early you know interpersonal relationships and uh, negative experiences and not being recognized and not being supported can create a, a, a actually contribute to this predisposition to uh, to 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 seek these substitutes and so that's one way and there are there, are, there is beautiful literature uh, uh, out there about this so for both from neuroscience mm -hmm. i can if anybody's interested you just shoot me a, a message uh, and i'm very happy to to share any like you know not two technical scientific uh, uh, articles about that. But there are also many, many excellent books on addiction. So uh, in terms of the relationship, uh, there is one that I really liked. It's uh, from a Caroline Knapp, and it's called Drinking a Love Story. <laughs> I love uh, it. So you can probably understand immediately that she, uh, so that the author experience also recovered from her own drinking problem. And so the, she discusses in that book uh, the, the whole, the, how the, uh, the, the addiction in, uh, affected the, the, um, her life and relationships, but also the other way around how the relationships pro problems uh, could lead to led to this uh, problem later in life. There are others, there is another big figure in this field, uh, early life traumas and relationships and and, uh, and this kind of uh, um, you know, problems is uh, uh, Gabor Mate, Dr. Dr. Gabor Mate. Right. Right. And uh, um, he focuses, uh, he really believes that uh, it's 
kind of, in my opinion, a bit more univer too universally that it's it's always uh, some kind of early life trauma and relationship trauma that uh, that leads to the development contributes to the development of addiction. I don't uh, view it as extreme. I, 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 in my opinion, it's a bit more varied. There can be different causes and combinations of causes. Yeah, he's incredibly brilliant but i think he's explaining his own life when he's talking about that he's like i have but i have a prior childhood trauma and i have relationship trauma therefore that's i mean and it makes sense we all do it i'm just using him as an example but the the things we have in our life that's our relationship to life and so we see those things in the other person we relate to them those yeah. things in our life i think you would be you are a great teacher and i think that you would be a fun i think that's kind of what you're doing with objective recovery and if, if we just stay there for a minute about relationships and teaching, wouldn't the world be a better place if kids in elementary school began to go through courses in relationship? Like that should be a part of every subject, math, English, science. It should have a background in relationship. And I think people would really have a more holistic approach about and a more realistic approach about their lives and what is possible and, you know, good and bad and just all these crazy words and meanings but the idea of relationship is so important what do you think about be beginning to teach people about relationships earlier in life you think that would make the world better yeah i completely agree that would be wonderful that's a bit similar in my mind to uh, what, what we discussed about uh, the whole mental health ever ever yes. that how you know i know that we discussed a bit online before this conversation yeah. there's uh, you know the role of relationship building in business and how that changed in the past yeah. few years and uh, but uh, uh, so that's also so that's in my in my opinion part of it is that also people be, have become um, more aware in recent year re recent years of the, the importance of uh, uh, relationships and right. you know that it's it, and it also how 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 that can when, what what can happen when those go wrong and. Right. This is also in 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 my in my view, it's uh, you know what's behind that, why it's so important. It's not just uh, it's again, it's not just interpersonal relationship. It's again, we are wired for that. It. It's not only because we we are because we are a, a social species, mm -hmm. but also the way the way the brain works. So everything is works. You know, the thinking and memory. Mm -hmm. Every everything works. Uh, uh, through association so it's mm. never just one thing that we experience and that we re remember so the memory for example it's usually it's uh, it's probably you have experienced this as very very often very cool experiences when there is a trigger for example when you hear a piece of music or whatever that reminds you of something and it there comes with it a lot of uh, you know big chunk of memories and so i think that that's our, our brains are wired for a relational Mm -hmm. uh, thinking and emotional, you know, style that involves uh, uh, basically everything. It's also these connections, the interconnectedness of you know everything, reality, whatever you want to describe it. Uh, but it's it's actually a, 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 an objective uh, thing, in my opinion. It's not who humans created that. And what happened is that uh, that we have become uh, become more aware of the importance of that. And to uh, to your question, the original question is that I think it would be wonderful to to start teaching uh, kids early in life. And uh, but it will it will be very important then mm -hmm. to have the right teachers because you know if some of those will be the the people who abuse also kids. Yes. You know yeah. that wouldn't yeah. be good. They wouldn't yeah. teach the right <laughs> the right uh, uh, lessons. And uh, so uh, yeah, so that's I think it's that it has to be that it should be part of education. And it's actually um, on the conceptual level as well. So to raise awareness. 
and to prevent because prevention you know it can prevent make uh, right. lose awareness of people early in life and that could potentially create uh, you know just people could avoid the, uh, some problems through that yeah you know i'm curious as someone who's an entrepreneur and studies relationships it seems to me at least in in the world of entrepreneurs it seems that it's very difficult to have a relationship to a successful business and have a successful family at the same time mm -hmm. i'm wondering do you think that the way we approach our relationship to our spouse or the people we love in our relationship is the same way that we approach our business. We often hear things like, hey, don't mix business with pleasure. And it seems that some of the most, some of the people that seem to be playing at the highest level of business, you know, they seem to have had three or four or five relationships. And it seems like they've, you have to choose one sometimes, it seems like. Is that, is that true? Or how do you, how do you make sense of that? Yeah, I mean, it can be, it's, it's definitely a challenge, a practical right. challenge, and it's a challenge just simply because of the time management, you know, everything mm. takes time, and every yeah. engagement, every every action takes time, and so right. if, if, if there is a business, that a new business that uh, requires a lot of, uh, you know, energy and effort, that takes away uh, from the time and energy that, uh, that one can uh, um, input in uh, the you know other personal relationships so it's always it's it's very often kind of competition but ideal of course it's it should not be a competition <laughs> so many people resolve it actually it's uh, many entrepreneurs uh, and others uh, you know resolve this uh, by creating businesses and collaborations with their friends and you know the spouses and so right. these, these things are combined then of course that uh, poses a whole new uh, uh, area of challenge because that becomes the the, the challenge how to how to manage because it's, it's hard to separate things what is the business what is the personal relationship where, where the boundaries are and right. that that can be a difficult experience but it can also uh, uh, create a much you know extra motivation if if, uh, if we have a uh, business partners and you know basically not necessarily people from my personal life, like friends and, you know, relatives and things like that, but people we like basically yeah. as, as people. And I, even in my own life, I'm actually, it's very funny that we are talking about this because I, I never thought about myself as a good teacher of relationships because I'm actually a very loner type of person. I don't even have a family and things like that. So for me, that's not even a problem, but, uh, but it's very interesting and it's very important. And so it's, uh, uh, but I, I, I did have experiences like that when I had uh, some of the my best collaborations were with people who were actually very very close friends and like mm -hmm. I mentioned my father for example mm -hmm. so it does work that uh, but it's uh, it, it can be very challenging so yeah it's interesting to think about the relationship between success and addiction because you can make the case that people who are succeeding on a monitor if we define success as Gosh, I hate to do this, but if we were to find success as someone who is financially free, and I'm not sure, I'm not saying that's the best definition of success, but I'm saying that we do tend to use this idea of financial freedom and success, that that may be best achieved through utilizing addiction to work, utilizing addiction to something. Just You can even say addiction to service, but there mm -hmm. is like this quality of addiction that is 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 almost connected to success. That's kind of a strange thing to think about, right? 
Yeah, it's actually I'm so glad that you brought this up because this is also, it's one of my favorite topics. So I usually call it uh, not addiction because it has a different mm -hmm. connotation, but I call it obsession. And oh, it's, yeah. It's a right. bit different because, right. you know, addiction, it's, addiction is basically that something that is, is, is destructive and obsession mm -hmm. is not necessary, just a preoccupation with, uh, you know, something that we are interested in. And definitely that's all, the, you know, it's uh, all these discussions that uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn and I, I see uh, there's uh, all these discussions from the startup community that uh, uh, everyone, you know, it's just even, uh, you know, investors suggest that we, we, we have to be obsessional because, you know, it's all, there are so many barriers, so many negative experiences, rejections, and so on. So we have to have a very, very strong drive. And uh, many people who become entrepreneurs, especially mm. repeatedly, they have that naturally because that's also just like addiction. It's 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 not exactly the same as the predispositions to addiction, like the same genetic background and everything biologically. Mm -hmm. But it's also known, for example, you know, disorders, mental health disorders like OCD, uh, yeah. That uh, that can also have some some of that also can have biological predisposition and so uh, that's also some people are born with that or or uh, you know it's just basically part of personality biologically determined and those people have a, a, a higher uh, you know chance that uh, they will approach many different things in that way. So I'm a very good example for that <laughs> myself because it's, it's, it's again. Um, um, uh, you know, it's just looking through my life and I just uh, basically, uh, you know, just reading that, not necessarily to the level of obsession, but I have a tendency that can create many problems also if I'm not careful that, you know, just getting hooked on, and, you know, yeah. so engaged on in everything that, uh, that piques my interest, my curiosity, that's how it works for me. It's not really necessarily, you know, human relationships. It's uh, more like, you know, even, you know, this conceptual things, even just, you know, whatever, just for myself. And it's just, it's just so, it just occupies my mind and it's so hard to, to, uh, to, uh, to get out of that. And so that yeah. definitely helps, you know, just going back to your point about success, that definitely helps to succeed if someone is so obsessional about something because we push through, uh, you know, everything, the hardship to, to, uh, to, uh, to chase a goal. But of course, if someone is predisposed to, to obsessions and has this kind of, you know, tendency that can create all the other uh, potential problems as well, just like, you know, negative, negative sides of obsessions, uh, uh, addiction, that's what's that form, you know, a drug, uh, to a drug or behavior or, or other behaviors. Uh, a relationship, you know, just uh, continuing that line of uh, discussion that many people get hooked so much on relationships as well and become the, the obsess over another person or a relationship that can also become a problem. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, a double-edged sword, definitely. Yeah, I agree 100%. For me, my dad was bipolar, and I, I'm pretty sure that on some level, whether it's you know biological or it's just learned behavior. Like I find myself sometimes in this world of just delusion where like I can totally do that. And then I can build, I can breathe life into an idea that is ridiculous. And my wife will tell me like, that is ridiculous, George. That'll never ever happen. I'm like, why don't we do this? You know, but it's, and it's so intoxicating. And I think that that's, that's almost back to this world of addiction. When you can create something in your mind that is, bigger than life itself. It's almost like you give it life. And then that, it, it, it takes part of you with it and like you breathing this life into it. And that's, it, it's scary because it, it, 
it can take you away from everything you love. And I think that that's like addiction. Like you're, you're breeding this belief and you're feeding it. And all of a sudden you become the addiction. And I don't know, it's, I'm not sure I'm making a whole lot of sense right there, but it's, it's so fascinating. this idea of obsession, addiction, and the world we live in, especially with social media, like you said, you can go on LinkedIn. And if I'm similar in that I'm a lone wolf in a lot of ways. And I, I like to be alone. I really enjoy having my thoughts and shining them up and manipulating them and setting them in certain ways and then trying to share them with people. And when you get that dopamine hit of sharing your idea with other people and they pick it up, like, this is amazing. It's like it kind of allows us to find our own people out there. And but when you do that, you 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 alienate yourself in a weird sort of way. How do we make sense of all this? Yeah, it's it makes perfect sense to me. And I also find it very relatable because, yeah, for example, you mentioned bipolar disorder. So I was never uh, formally diagnosed with it, but I definitely think that I have tendencies. <laughs> and probably, you know, for example, especially in the, during the period when I was uh, drinking heavily, I think I right. could have been diagnosed like, very easily because it was so obvious. So it's definitely, I know what you mean by, you know, <laughs> the, the experiences and the, the mindset. And definitely... Uh, uh, it's um, it's very it's very challenging the the age of social media and the technology yeah. that has become a, a huge is issue on its own. That technology was originally meant to to make life easier for us, right? Not uh, not more difficult, but of course with it uh, came all these also these these types of issues that uh, it's so so intoxicating because of the in part it's because of the novelty novelty usually it's very it's very uh, uh, rewarding also for people right. it's also it's part of biological wiring and and you know it's especially the, the just these past few years and all the changes in technological revolutions and the, the AI and everything and and the social media and also the how the, the the way social media works and that you can have a community you don't need to go anywhere so it's basically effortless kind of yeah and that's part of it because normally you know when we have a, a, a like a real-time 3d relationship we have to it's more it takes more effort to put it that way the social media doesn't so it's very very easy to to get hooked and all the it's actually designed in a way and people who create these platform platforms they are very smart they they actually uh, use these uh, these concepts from the neuroscience and how uh, addiction and uh, right. these, uh, these mechanisms work to 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 create those platforms and to to pull people in. And so it's very 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 hard to once you uh, when once you engage to uh, not to you know not to not to not to remain hooked. And that's also one thing that I really like to discuss because I experienced that was also a, a one thing that I experienced very intensely. That's also coming from these obsessional tendencies, mm -hmm. the the social media. So I, I I don't really I never really use like conventional social media much. It's only LinkedIn that I use right. now. It's for the per professional purpose that I like very much because it's very useful. But I used to do more like uh, uh, discussion forums so i wasn't a member of i don't know how many different <laughs> discussion forums uh, throughout my life probably if you see me now you can imagine that you know why i did that because you know, the, the the interestingness of all is the just talking about different things and with like mind like like-minded people and many of them with anonymous forums so it's basically risk-free you don't even know their names and all that stuff. And so I find it very hard and ever a few years in my life and actually it's coinciding with uh, with my substance use that uh, that was my mm -hmm. pattern 
that uh, you know just doing the the substance use and also while i was intoxicated i also engaged in his online, yeah. <laughs> online things and so they were they were very intimately intertwined yeah so i had to work on both of them so i had to stop that completely i completely stopped that and so i like very much for example linkedin now because Finally, that's something that is useful, you know, professional. Mm -hmm. I use it for professional development. I don't use it for finding friends, although that can also happen, but that's not the primary purpose. But it's very, it's very hard. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's, everyone is affected by that. Everyone who has access to internet these days. Yeah. You know, we often hear about the way in which the internet is making us more unhealthy, whether it's a, it's a dopamine addiction or whether it is, seeing the very best of people, even though that's not a real representation of them. But I've been having this idea, like maybe the internet is showing us who we really are. I want to give you a visual and then come back to that. I saw this image of, I'm going to, so imagine a mirror and then there's an apple in front of the mirror and you were standing behind the apple. So you can see the full apple in the mirror, but on the backside of the apple, there's a giant bite taken out. And they said, this is social media because we're only mm -hmm. putting our best face forward. Right. But on some level, when you do that, us as the human being, like we know, we know that, that when I see my cousin Larry driving a brand new navigator, like I know Larry's got problems at home. I don't care what kind of car. I know that. And I think that we as humans know that even though we see the best foot forward on social media, we know people have problems. And I think that maybe the, the, the biggest problem we're seeing is, is, is that we're seeing ourselves for the first time. Like I can see people in other countries and I see them cover up things the same way I would. And I can find my tribe. I can find my people and I can find their, the way they're lying to themselves. Cause that's the way I lie to myself. And I think that that might be something that's drawing this, drawing us to our own rock bottom moment is this idea that we're getting to see each other naked for the first time and people are freaking out about it so it's not so much that we're lying to ourselves it's that this is the first time we're seeing ourselves clearly what do you think about that yeah i like that direction very much and it's actually it's also it's like another another uh, one of those trends that sometimes i call like you know in the yeah. cynical way like fashion trends that is yep. these days it's so you know everyone talks about uh, authenticity and how important yes. it is and you know yes. that's, that's, that's that has become a, one of the the primary values for for you know society modern you know uh, western world at least you know just uh, 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 many parts of the world and uh, so it's it's everyone aims for that but of course you know what can we do on social media at the same time we, we i think almost no, no nobody shows the whole uh, right picture and the image and so it's very selective and of course there are also the critics of social media like you know we all know that that it's it's uh, it's very uh, selective and it's you know, it's not it's fake many people call it fake directly and uh, but it's I, I i don't see it that way because i completely agree with you that uh, there are very many many good aspects of it it's not only that yeah. that you can use it for professional de development or to 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 develop a, like a, a constructive positive relationships but also exactly like you said that that to to create not only to see yourself uh, reflected or uh, mm. to reflect yourself in you know what you put out on social media but it's also it's uh, 
that's it's part of a part of like you know how we develop goals so you know when right. we come up with an idea and how how we how we, how we uh, develop that a new project usually in the beginning is just an idea and then many people try to you know we speak about it very often like you know this this, this phrase that fake it, fake it till you make yep. it yep. kind of like that and it can be useful in a positive yeah. way that start talking about it it's like many people uh, uh, now on on uh, LinkedIn and other platforms talk about they they we call it like building in public, building a business in public. Right. And, and uh, it's a process and it's useful in many, many different ways. It's not only the trivial, like finding partners and clients and so on, investors, but also basically find, uh, developing and, and fine-tuning that uh, what uh, is of, uh, usually, uh, often called a personal brand, and but uh, experimenting with uh, through trial and error what a personal brand, a you know, well-fitting personal brand would be. So I'm, I'm going through this process yeah. right now, you know, doing it on LinkedIn, and it's super interesting. And also to your point, and you know, why this works is, uh, I think this is also rooted in part in, in the neurobiology and how we are wired because mm. it's uh, uh, probably also experienced is at different stages of life we tend to to find mates other people who kind of re reflect right. who we are at that stage and very often when we pass through that stage much years later we look back and oh my god I was this person <laughs> <laughs> how the, but but how, how is that possible because right. we are we, we, you know, we, uh, we leave, leave that behind. And uh, so this can also, so this, this works also on social media that we uh, connect with those people that, you know, we, we feel like like-minded, we have something common and, and then we can see how, who they are, what they present because everyone presents the best parts of their some, the, the, themselves on social media. And that can be very beneficial because, you know, of course I don't want to integrate the, the worst into my business from others. <laughs> I want to, I want to steal you know, the steer the yeah. best, or, you know, to, 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 to use the best. And that can be very, very helpful. And it's also, it works, uh, the neurobiology part is because it's, uh, there is this, uh, this um, you know, neural, neuronal pathways and parts of the brain, uh, probably, maybe you have heard mirror neurons and so, but it's yes. not as simple as that. So it's, a, it's more complex it's basically you know how when we have a conversation it's like uh, almost like uh, you know we, we immediately unconsciously adopt to the other person and we uh, kind of pick up the cues and style of the other person in order mm -hmm. to have to be able to have a conversation or an interaction and it works in, in social media so I, I i use it actually but i have been using this for now many years very very consciously because i discovered this a long quite a long time ago that yeah. uh, we can use this you know seeing others who i am drawn to and i have a tendency to to to, to be very strongly drawn to people that i i, I feel they they might be very similar to me yeah. it's again this kind of new mirror neuron you know this it's how what we seek and also psychologically in many ways and you know what what can i learn from that experience not just simply that uh, i i made a new connection i made a new friend or business partner but what does it tell me about myself who yeah. i who i connect with and it's again it's just looking through my life uh, uh, you know just seeing also a different other phases when i was not doing well, well mentally and you know in different ways and the people People I connected with very much reflected that, and I, at the time I was not completely aware of, of why that was happening. So we can use it this way. So if someone is aware of these uh, these mechanisms, uh, we can we can learn. It's a very very good source of uh, uh, learning and knowledge. 
who we are drawn to online. That's such a deep thought. Like I can tell, I love, first off, I love it. And thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it is a model people can use to make their life better. And if you just take a moment to think about how could you possibly recognize something in someone else unless it existed in you, whether it's good or bad, <laughs> you know, and I, I've, I've gone down those rabbit holes where I'm like, I don't even like this person. Or I'd be mean to someone. And then I have this realization, like, why am I being mean to them? Oh, I think they're weak. And then I'm just like, Oh, I'm weak. Oh no, I'm, I'm the one that's weak. You know, and you're like, dang it. Now I got to fix it. Now I got to go apologize to that person. Now I got to fix this, but it's so powerful because it is whether it's a mirror neuron or a mirror image or our relationship to ourself. It is those things in the other that define who we are. And it's such a weird thing to think about, but I'm so glad you shared that. I, I think it's a beautiful thing and I hope people can add that to their life. But I wanted to talk another minute about you are doing this building in public thing and you are the first person I, I I know that people have talked about it, but you're the first person that I have encountered that's doing building your business in front of people. And I think it's part of this new way of building community, building business, building your brand, building relationship to it. And I'm wondering if you could maybe help someone who's never heard about that concept before. Maybe you could break it down for them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm 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 not the best example. I'm very far from the best example because I do a very moderate version of this okay. for various reasons. So I don't, you know, just put out everything online, and don't post uh, as as frequently as many other people. So there are many. Actually, we are going to have a, 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 a in a couple a couple of weeks uh, a live discussion, a Ooh. panel discussion, just about this concept okay. building in public. So I will post about it, and we will post about it on LinkedIn. You will you, you will be yeah. able to see. It. Yeah. So, and uh, but it's definitely uh, uh, it's uh, it's 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 a very uh, very helpful uh, experience and also I learned I have been uh, active on LinkedIn only for a year a little bit over a year now before I just had a profile I never uh, really you know, posted anything I never looked at it I just put it there to right. people can find me <laughs> and in the beginning I was very hesitant to get into it I'm still hesitant for different reasons for example my product is also has some you know it's a kind of healthcare related product uh, which comes with uh, really serious legal uh, aspects and regulations and security uh, implications that are super important. You can go, you know, immediately uh, crash if you yeah. if you don't uh, handle those yeah. uh, well. So it's we have to be very very careful how we speak about it and how much we share online before it's established uh, uh, sufficiently to meet all those requirements. So I'm, I'm I'm really I'm very conscious about this. I don't do as much as many others, but right. but it's definitely very uh, very very uh, useful. It's also in terms of the you know who we find connect with online and one aspect of this and that has been a lot of my experience is that when we feel that we find someone who is seems like like-minded seems right. like you know very similar in in different ways that's a perception because very often online of course especially online we don't know that person we don't know anything about their life especially on linkedin people don't post as much about their personal right. life the day-to-day -day life and so it's more a perception and intuition uh, we can put it that way and very often it can be misleading and I experienced this uh, many times that it can be actually a lot of that uh, part of it that intuition initial intuition and impression can be projection mm. and because that's also something that we are we are wired to make projections that's also part of how you know that's that's whole system that uh, mm -hmm. uh, we just 
very briefly uh, alluded to in the brain, the mirror, mirror neurons and so on, the circuitry. That uh, so it's it's basically we, we never really have access to you know I don't want to get very physic uh, philosophical and you know get into a whole different area, but you know we we never really have access directly to you know reality, what is reality, mm. and that is there, that's why it's a it's a huge it has always been a big uh, philosophical question. And now it's also a scientific question. And so it's also the same for, you know, in other people. When we meet other people, I think very often what happens is that when we meet someone new, uh, we are just wired to seek similarities. And it's, uh, it's very mm -hmm. emotional. So it's driven by emotional, like emotional relating. And whether it's coming from an experience that that other person shares, let's say online, and I experience so it's like sympathy, or it's something something else, it's more like thinking style. That's how I tend to relate, like, you know, this intellectual connection, that's my thing, <laughs> always. Mm -hmm. And you know, thinking styles, and was I, I have a very you know good kind of radar for that to recognize that I really jump on that because I love to have interactions with people who are similar in that way. And but often I had many experiences when I initially thought, and I was so excited that I found a person like that. It will be my best friend, new my my new best friend, and it didn't turn out to be a to, to turn out to be that and you know it it turned out that my, my actually my perceptions were not correct because it's mm. like a, it's we, we can also it's just this what, what happens is projection that there right. is a very like vague image that we can detect you know and then we if you infuse it with intuitions and sometimes it's you know intuition intuition is not always right and uh, and uh, i had many experiences when uh, when i had this you know excitement initially excitement that i found a like-minded person and we will do something really great together and then <laughs> it was the you know the we had the biggest and the, the ugliest <laughs> conflicts and the biggest level of uh, in, uh, you know um, um, just basically not not uh, compatible and i had i had a few of those as well and i learned from those and how to recognize that was a challenge to recognize there is a new new connection but i seen it what what excites me what drives me into it is it really what what is out there or is it my projection and it's very mm. interesting to think about that is it's fascinating to think about do you I wonder if there's a study or maybe we could just use our own lives. You know, when you, when, if I sat next to you, Henry, I'd be picking up different signs. Like I would be catching pheromones or I would be able to have the felt presence of you next to me. And there's so much communication that happens there. And I like what you said about infusing intuition. So when I, if you and I were together and I'm picking up all these different body signals and facial contact and stuff like this, and, and, and we're seeing each other close with our eyes, and then I infuse my intuition in there. Do you think that that's a much better read than me trying to infuse my intuition into who you are now? Because even though we talk, like, you know, we can build this great bond together and we can infuse this intuition in there. Do you, th like, part of me thinks that, that it's, I can have the same connection, even though I know that's not logical. Like, I know that if I was next to you and I could, if I could see you and I, we were having that exchange, it would be a deeper connection. But I still feel the way I can infuse my intuition into this conversation that we have a deep connection. Am I, am I lying to myself there? Or are we lying to ourselves when we do that? I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's just taking this, you know, what we are doing as an example, uh, in my opinion, we would have to, you know, to take it 
further and see if it's you know right. what is in it in a long term. So that's my experience with this, right. this type of connection. But I completely what you what you mentioned about uh, you know the 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 uh, uh, different types of experiences. Right. Social media and online is extremely limited, and many people yes. say that it's even you know it's they don't even like to. They they need to they really they have a need a strong need to 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 experience the person also in in reality in 3D reality in person before they make a decision to form anything closer with them because they just don't like that you know limited perception that can can be very misleading mm -hmm. with the uh, projections and so on so uh, having more data point that's how I like to you know yeah. to call it like as a scientist basically what you mentioned that uh, experiencing someone else in 3D reality like all the different channels different channels of communication even just the visual you know just imagine doing this without the visual yeah just what, 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 what you do on linkedin just test text that's why people love videos this uh, these days that's why it's always videos posts always receive yeah. much more you know engagement because people like it it's like we don't even need to think it's unconscious that we prefer having that data and it creates so it, it fine-tunes those intuitions those uh, initial perceptions the more data we have of course the more accurate it becomes and it, it's just very much like even the mm -hmm. you know the machines the the ai uh, models mm -hmm. that, it's, that are modeled uh, modeled on on you you know the human brain and the neural networks and all that so it's the same and you know how those are trained and in the beginning but it's, it's not trained co correctly uh, a model right. like that it will it right. hallucinate and it will do all kinds of it will give you a wrong advice and everything <laughs> and very much it's very similar it's also if we, if we don't receive uh, uh, enough data from another person and from their reality it can it's very limited and uh, the question is that you know how much is how much is how much is real and how much is just uh, imagination. Yeah, I, I so I, I bring up this point when my when COVID came, and I think a lot of this, a lot of people affected were affected by going to school online. I know my daughter was going to school online, and that one of the points that I brought up to the counselors was this idea of atrophy, like an atrophying relationship, because we can have this great conversation, and you can learn online. You can watch a YouTube video and learn probably anything out there now. But I'm wondering if on some level, not being in the felt presence of the other person is going to be something that we lose later. Like we, we're losing this relationship. We're losing the ability to interpret these things. We're losing this deeper connection. And I don't know if that's true, but it seems like there's a, there's a possibility of it. I'm wondering what, what you think about that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's like, you know, it's not only that we, we lose data potentially in the right. data point that it's not possible to, to obtain, but uh, definitely it's, uh, it's uh, you know, just uh, having a relationship online is not the same as having, right. having a relationship in person. So, you know, it's where it's, it's going to lead to. Uh, that's a big question that you yeah. have to see because the world is definitely, you know, after the, and the COVID, uh, uh, you know, how that changed the world and then mm -hmm. now it's every, everything is you know, more geared toward the online and and all, again, the technology technology is going to evolve, and we will have just more and more and more of these platforms and tools. We will have to see where, where it leads to. And uh, uh, one thing that I'd be very curious is uh, about is is that are we going to be uh, able to adopt? to this, uh, mm. to a level. It's like, you know, it's what we discussed about mental health and how the modern, you know, the world lifestyles in the, in the last uh, past uh, 10 years, it's not, we, we didn't have enough. It, it was, it, the speed is so high 
uh, we didn't have our biology biological you know working no. we didn't have enough time to adopt to that to to meet some of the requirement and it creates uh, dissonances and that's why we have many of the mental health issues in part so it can happen also due to this uh, you know tendency toward the online and technology and so that's why there is all this, you know, the the, the excitement uh, on one hand, uh, all the excitement about the, the technology and the AI and those tools, but also a lot of uh, people are really in the very, very intense fear. And it's a, that fear is driven by many different uh, things. And in part, mm -hmm. it's because many people just uh, are afraid of, of losing exactly what you said, that losing this... Uh, uh, this uh, 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 the way they, 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 are, they know... Uh, uh, connection, human connection. And so they, they will have today at work, there will be AI tools, they will have to talk to an AI instead of another human at a large portion of that, you know, work hours. And so many people don't like that. I'm actually yeah. more, much more excited about that because I'm very, I got into this virtual world and living, okay. you know, in the online world, like very, very long time ago. <laughs> and that was actually a problem for me for a long time. And uh, so I found a way out, kind of not really out, but find a way to find it uh, uh, useful and to turn it also in a into a business. So it, I'm satisfied with it now. So I'm more excited about it uh, than, uh, than than fearful. But yeah. we'll have to see. So of course it's a concern. I really de definitely believe that, that the way it develops the speed uh, with which it develops uh, this technology now, we won't be biology won't be able to to follow that uh, to to uh, um, you know to uh, uh, to reach the same level of speed and to emerge yeah. easily. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like we're we're co-evolving with this other organism at the same time, and I. I, I I am so thankful that you talked about how enamored you are with it and that you have a good relationship with it, that you can build a new version of yourself together with it instead of being afraid of it. Because I, I do see a lot of fear out there where people are like, ah, oh, AI is going to do this, it's going to do that. Yeah. And I'm not saying it won't do that, but you can choose the meaning of it for yourself. You can choose to have a valuable relationship with it. You can, I can choose to talk to... Henrietta Sue Torres in Switzerland and have an amazing conversation with someone I, I couldn't have done five or seven years ago. I can choose to find my people. I can choose to find a tribe of people or I can choose to participate in a call to action that someone is fighting for in a foreign country that I believe in. And there's, there is something unifying and beautiful about it. And I, I do think that it's almost like this rebirth. Like we're, we're beginning to reimagine what we as individuals can be. And, it, and sometimes with withdrawing from society, it's almost like a tide, right? Like the tide goes out and then it comes back in. Like we're withdrawing from these isms and maybe it's a new ism, but we're, we're, we're moving into this new version of ourselves and it's exciting. I think it's beautiful. And some of the things that I see happening are, are amazing. Like just in this conversation alone, we've covered the ideas of addiction and recovery. We've talked about how you have started off with this problem with anxiety as a young as a as a as a young woman, your relationship with your father, then moving into anxiety and then starting your own business to help other people like a, a younger Henrietta. And it, it's just so amazing how we can cover all of that. We can cover a lifetime of learning and and you and I can both stream it to hundreds if not thousands of people across time and it can help them like it's so beautiful in so many ways i know it's kind of a rambling thought there but it's, yeah. it's really beautiful 
Yeah, I completely agree. You know, it's a, we have the same kind of approach yeah. and mindset, but it's not everyone. And I, so I'm a big advocate and I speak about this publicly and online or on social media and everywhere that, you know, trying to kind of, because, you know, not to uh, this, this mindset, you know, it's just, it's again, it's like you said that we have, we have, we have a very, we, we don't, not we don't have a I, I don't believe in you know it's just again I don't want to get very philosophical and yeah. to you know to to digress very much but but I don't personally believe that we have hundred uh, percent free will that you know we can always you know everything is just nothing is really nothing is it's not determined externally but anyways that's another topic yeah. but but uh, uh, it's uh, uh, we can we have a very high level of freedom to choose mm-hmm. but uh, the mindset and you know choosing but uh, you know buzzword choosing a growth mindset uh, versus a fixed mindset and all these different ways of thinking but many people who are fearful about this technologies and there's mm. uh, you know, the online world and the AI, uh, it's you know they, their background is a bit different, and uh, I, I don't think that we, we we have the the option to kind of dismiss them because it's actually uh, probably a, a larger portion of of, of the world yeah. at the moment who are more fearful. For example, they are afraid of losing their jobs and things like that, which is very okay. varied. And uh, but we can have what we can do is uh, you know people uh, like. For example, my life is like, like myself is lead with example, you know, the way yeah. I think about it and I use it for business and I use it to create something that that uh, will uh, uh, help people for in a positive way. Of course, there will be, uh, we will have to face many challenges, but that's always part of life and it will always be part of life, even if without, like we just completely, for some reason, we lost uh, the internet and the computers and everything. Suddenly we just went back to that era then we still have challenges and problems in life that we have to resolve. So this is the the 20, 21st century challenges by a big part of it. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea that, and I see this kind of emerging through AI in, in conversations like this. And one thing I see emerging is this idea that if you can become the best version of yourself, then you can change the world. And it's so tricky to think about it like that because a lot of us have this idea like we want to leave something behind like we want to people to think of us as doing good and i really see this this thing happening where the better you the more you love yourself the more you believe in yourself the better version of yourself you can become it allows you to have more faith and that draws people towards you and all of a sudden just you making small changes and becoming the best person you can has a radical effect on the people around you. And then it's almost like that you throw that little pebble into the pond and then those waves ripple out. Like that's that's each one of us. We're each back to the philosophical part of George here, but we're all that little pebble, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely so it's you know, but it's so so it's again it's, it's like yeah. what is the best we can ask what the best version of ourselves is because that's also very subjective. So how, how right. do you measure, you know, how, how do I measure, you know, how do we, how do, how do, how do we, assess, how, how do we assess that at every stage of life in every moment? And that can also be, uh, you know, the confidence and thinking that, you know, there's a, you know, good self-esteem and uh, self-love. It's another buzzword that I'm not a big fan of, but <laughs> many people use it all the time. Uh, and, you know, these things are meant to be positive, but it's also, it's just like uh, most many other things 
it depends on the dosage and mm. because too much of these things can also be detrimental it's just like yeah, you know yeah. those behaviors that uh, we spoke about the obsession and you know being very engaged very involved it's a, uh, in the right dosage it's a good thing but if right. it's excessive it's not and then i think it uh, it, it, it will be very it, it is very similar with all these other things as far as uh, image even you know it's just all these things that uh, that that uh, another trend these days many people for example it's, it's another uh, big interest uh, in relation to mental health you know talking about narcissism for example mm. and what that is and i'm very interested in that topic also from a more it's again it's from the the psychological and the neuroscience point of view and you know how those personal disorders work and things like that but just the narcissism and you know the what what we uh, what uh, the popular uh, the, the, the the lay public usually associates right. with that image is some someone who is grandiose so that person usually is, is at least uh, displays a, a, a very high, you know, a very high level of confidence and a very, 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 very positive self-image to the point that is not doesn't seem realistic and it's probably mm. not realistic. And I think we can. There is always a fine line, like a spectrum that uh, it depends where we are on that spectrum. Whether or not it's uh, using some something constructively or maybe not. Yeah, that's well said. They, they say, I heard, I once heard someone say that, you know, in the Western world, if you wake up one morning and you run into town and you tell everyone, listen, I am God, I am God, like they'll lock you up. But in the Eastern cultures, if you run into town, you say, I'm God, they'll say, congratulations, you figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's interesting. It's again, it's like you know what what's the the meaning of words, and you know what that's also how subjective that can be. That you know what what someone associates with the with the word God. Yeah, you know, yeah. Depending on your background and everything, it's definitely uh, definitely you know it's a, is it an ideal to be to become godlike, or is it is it something that we should not pursue because that's a bit too much and uh, that's a good so that you can apply that to other you know the technology because that's the yeah. other discussion that you know these all these concepts and ideas that uh, you know the, the relationships between this between this um you know the, the, the ai you know identity and all that uh, completely you know different personalness and you know that that how if there is any where that comes from because you know many people believe that who have this sp spiritual spiritual interest that uh, you know they apply that also these days in the modern era in the, the era of technology that maybe that's how they see those you know, God figures, but it's it's another uh, very modern modern society and things like that. And so, the, you know, whether or not it's a it's a good thing or not, it's hard to judge. I think yeah. in every, every given 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 moment, we just have to make choices. That's that's our challenge. That we have to be we aim to make the best choices in every every moment and then see what happens and uh, use the lessons and try to draw the best lessons and not to be misguided. Yeah. That's it's it's interesting this idea of choices and guiding and living our life. I'm wondering, would you mind sharing what what system do you use or what tools do you use or how do you evaluate yourself becoming the best version of yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. I ask that myself as well very often. I don't think I have a I have a, the ultimate answer to that, but I can I can I can tell you how yeah. I judge it or how I assess it. 
So that's again, it's it's very very strong, very very closely related to self awareness, and it changed it changed. Uh, I think it's for, probably the same for everyone that uh, the more self awareness you develop, the more you 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 are interested in these questions. Mm-hmm. When I was much younger, you know, in my te- teens, early early twenties, I was not. I was always introspective, but I was not nearly as uh, as aware of actually sure. how things really work. Uh, for various reasons. Part of it was just I was not as interested because you know, it was not everywhere around me. And uh, the way I judge it is when I was younger, I, I, I basically I just thought my my I, I just I, I just followed my curiosity. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest drive. And I was I was also I just had this discussion actually uh, just responding to someone's post uh, this morning uh, on LinkedIn that that uh, you know it's just uh, this this suggestion that we should not listen to what other people say and follow other people's opinions so actually my pro I, that was a problem for me when, when i was younger because when i was much younger i was so basically not caring what anyone said and you know it's just not caring about expectations just you know it's just uh, doing what i wanted so that mm-hmm. was my biggest drive and very often it was a bit a bit much more spontaneous than it right. is now because you know young yeah, youth it's it's part of youth you know being we are more impulsive and uh, with less knowledge and everything it was more more like more instinct in, instinctive and you know just following instincts and curiosity that those were my biggest drives now it's much more i always uh, assess whatever i do and how i see myself is that you know just looking at the larger picture and looking at also what is my goal and it's always i like to assess these things uh, in a specific context because you know if you if you just ask the question if you ask me the question what is the best version of of me uh yeah it depends in what in what context <laughs> yeah what purpose and all these things and so uh so i like to so i think it's for me it's important to define goals both short-term and long-term goals of course there is a, there will always be uncertainty many things won't uh, succeed and so on but to have goals and then one type mm-hmm. of assessment that you can always uh, always do is, is is to see to to assess how how, how 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 much closer we have uh, gotten to that uh, that goal that purpose you know whatever we want to achieve that's one way in terms of you know being a good person or you know uh, like personal attributes it's uh, it's very strongly also related to personal values that people mm-hmm. have i think everyone it's also it's a lot of psychology i could speak about that also for two hours or more but uh, you know it's, it's it's very i find it very helpful for example i got into this through my addiction recovery one of the programs that i really like they had this exercise that we had to we had to come up we had to think about what what are our, our, our five primary values mm. in life mm. like just general because it's a, it can be very important because it's where it's, it's, it's values change throughout the lifespan right but right. Uh, that there is a tendency that some of it uh, uh, tends to be stable you know it's part of our identity and who we are and it's it can be very helpful to identify those and it's a very interesting exercise i, I do this i always yeah. redo this every now and then and I see if it's i still think the same and fine-tune it and that can be very helpful because you know what are my my values and the the ideal state of being and it's also that's what gives me the most the, the high level of satisfaction if i feel that i am 
aligned with my values in terms of my actions, my actions aligned with my values. That was also bigger, the, uh, part of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest difficulties in addiction, in uh, experiencing addiction, the cognitive dissonance, this, you know, values one thing and then what I do is another thing, so they don't match. And then all the hiding and manipulation and everything to keep up with this discrepancy, to maintain it. And for mm -hmm. me, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's one thing that I seek out very consciously, you know, they think about these uh, these things, how I, and I, it's, it's every day I do this assessment, basically, even I don't, not, not in a very, you know, uh, articulate way, I don't talk to other people about this all the time, but just in my head that, you know, whatever I do in every, every day, is it, is it, uh, so I like to, it's a very simple, yeah. whatever, whatever uh, um, motivation I have or impulse I have, is it useful? At this very moment, how is it useful yeah. for you? Instead of just pleasurable or you know fun, because mm. it's so important, but that's not the all of it. And so it's always the, in the context of um, uh, like larger goals. And, and also, part of it is also exploring the unknown for me. I, I, I've always been very driven by novelty. That's why I have this whole career mm. and interest. And so I just simply like the 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 pro of uh, trying out almost like sometimes I describe it trying out different uh, different identities so mm. you know different, different professions different interests and 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 how that works and so that's also that's just uh, interesting and what I can do with this different uh, base of uh, approaching life I love that that's such a beautiful way to do it and I think it provides people listening to this or watching this some some tools and I really am kind of fascinated about the idea of trying on different identities. And it's it's true. If you're willing to be honest with yourself, you can – and you can – if you're willing to be honest with yourself and you take time to contemplate what's going on in your life, you can pretend to be a different person and even become that other person for a little bit and see what it's like and – play with the idea of, well, if I was this way, then people would think of me like that. And sometimes when you do that, you can get a really good reflection or a third person point of view about yourself. Like yeah. it's a whole nother perspective. Like I'm glad you brought that up. That is an effective tool to, to change your life. It's pretty profound, really. It is very, it is very, I completely agree. It's very helpful to try this thing. And so we can, we can actually use relationships in this right. way, because if there is someone who is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I like to, to, to connect with people who are similar to myself, but that's, that's actually not always the, very often that's not the most useful type of okay. relationship because, you know, we don't have, we, we just seek out the same things. We have the same weaknesses and everything. So we don't, really complement so and uh, we can we can use many different experiences in this way to uh, uh, to um, you know to to, to fine-tune this image even just looking at what what type of image and you know personal brand someone presents online and learn from that and try it out and it's experimenting so it's very I think it's always good to be experimental because again it's I love theory as you can see you know I'm not against that at all but it's uh, it's if we only stick with, with if we if we are if we get stuck at that level and we don't apply experience, we can be very, very misguided and uh, using only intuition. Intuition is also generally, yeah. basically intuition very often uh, people uh, feel that it's like something esoteric, you know, mysterious. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I approach it 
you know, it's from a kind of neuroscience, psychology perspective. And it's basically, it's not much more than perceptions that we are yeah. not, uh, conscious about, you know, on right. conscious level, and then we can become conscious about. And then, of course, based on this, uh, because we, we accumulate experience over uh, lifespan, intuition uh, can become much more accurate. With more yeah. experience. The more experience and data we uh, accumulate, the more uh, accurate it can become also. Yeah, I love that. I And I, I would agree. I, I think that maybe in the last hundred years or maybe the last since the Industrial Revolution, this idea of mysticism has kind of gotten a bad rap. You know, if we look at people like maybe one of the greatest philosophers ever was Alfred North Whitehead, and he spoke really highly of mysticism. He, he has this quote that I always keep with me that says, the last part of the quote says mysticism, clarification, action. And when I think about mysticism, I think about intuition. And it's it's just this ability to read what's happening where you can't put it into words. Like it's not that there's not a language there. It's not that there's something that you're making up. It's that there's something there you're interpreting, but there's no – you currently don't have the words to explain it. And it's not always right, but a lot of the times you're picking up on something for a reason. Like – when you, you you read about it all the time, whether people knew their their spouse was cheating on them or they they knew that there was a problem with their kid, you know, it's it's this culmination of signs that have been weighing on you, but you just for some reason haven't picked them up. I I think intuition is something that you know maybe isn't something you should hang your hat on, but it's definitely something I would encourage people to embrace and try to learn how to be more effective at. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's being given as an advice by psychologists yeah. and, you know, coaches and, and people like that, that it's uh, for people who are not really naturally uh, using intuition as much as I use it a lot, I've always right. put this way, but, you know, it's, it's it, there are different, many people are not very, some people are not as comfortable with right. using intuition, because, right. you know, intuition, it's like a it's internal, uh, like subjective, uh, you know, just combine it with our own internal world and uh, how we put things together, and many people are not, uh, uh uh, very uh, comfortable that because they they prefer just using really just hardcore data. They don't trust anything if it's not right. data, and uh, uh, so that can that can that can block uh, the the use of in intuitions because intuition it's, it's kind of works in the other way. So we incorporate a lot of subjective perceptions and connections. We we connect the dots in different ways, not necessarily. Um, for example, I had to learn as a scientist. It was a challenge in my the beginning of my career because I was I was always uh, I had a very like you know this kind of intuitive thinking very strongly always and when I started doing experimental science my first mentor really gave me a really hard time to mm -hmm. actually look at the data and use data so he said that he used very very you know kind of harsh and rude words to, to me right. that you know you have to learn that because you that's why you are here you are here to do science not just to speculate right uh, to use data and then and then so many people are not just naturally like that and you know just basically they they don't care so much about this theoretical these mental things and they don't have they're not even so you know they they more focus outwardly and uh, that focus on on you know the external uh cues and whatever they can see and reach and with the five senses or, mm -hmm many senses as we can speak about and that's what they accept and they don't accept this this uh, subjective uh, connection making but i think everyone is using that yeah. it's just it's just uh, uh, some people are just have a preference for more like hardcore data versus um, this subjective processes
It's a weird thing that, you yeah, know, it is. from a scientist that, you know, I, know, I actually prefer the intuition over data, but <laughs> you have to, I think you have to, to, to use a combination of both in order to be realistic. And... Well, I think that this is something that is that I think that this is something that's probably made you successful. And I think that it's this foundation that's going to make objective recovery an incredible success is that, and if you, if we pan back out, you know, science has carried us a long way, but I think what we're seeing and, and mysticism and intuition are bad words in science. Hey, we want the data. We want the data. Mm -hmm. But I think what people fail to remember is that someone has to interpret that data. And when you interpret something, you, you, what are you doing? Well, you are, you know, when you, when you translate, you interpret and all of a sudden there's your intuition. Like you can't get rid of it. It's in there. How do we interpret yeah. these numbers? What does this brain scan mean? Well, this is just confirmation bias. So it's we've, we, on some level, I love science and I'm so glad that there's hardcore data sys out there that have carried us where we are and that they have that perspective because we need both. But yeah. science without spirituality, I, I think can only go so far. And by spirituality, I mean, intuition or, or interpretation, like the two go together, like the double helix, like we need both of those bars to come up. We need that so that we can move forward. And I think we're seeing, I think you are a prime example of someone who is on the edge of what is possible through through beating addiction and starting a company to help people move through it. And you have these unique insights. You're building a business out in the open. You're doing, you're on the cutting edge of what people are doing. And in a lot of ways, you're leading the way. And I, I see this, this heartfelt expansion into intuition as a really positive thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you're talking about it because I know for a scientist, you know, sometimes it is a bad word. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So it's actually, it's also speaking of, uh, you know, fine-tuning intuition with uh, with data, actual hardcore data. That's also yeah. part of our goals, just to mention very briefly with objective recovery that I, I talked a bit about the, the the assessment that we are building. But mm -hmm. later on, I, I also have a plan to integrate much more, you know, uh, like organic biomarkers that can be, yeah. taken, you know, genetic genetic information and other things that the brain imaging and things like that that, that can be used to fine tune this uh, the the assessment that we are building is very intuitive. It's basically, you know, it's based on the I'm the conceptual, you know, drive behind it and uh, just putting it together. And uh, so it's very intuitive. It's very I actually don't even. That's why sometimes I get stuck in my own head and I have to go back and and redo a lot of things because I I just prefer to to follow my own my own mind uh, rather yeah. than you know just look up <laughs> the data sometimes. But in the end, that's that's part of the reason that we uh, I was to integrate data but uh, uh, just one point at you is so you brought up this uh, the yeah. spir spiritual and you know mysticism so that's that's actually also one thing that i'm very glad to see that that's uh, the people like even ordinary like ordinary people who would not be interested in like what's yeah. ordinary but who would not be interested in this uh, uh, it's these days it's uh, many people are much more open to those uh, dimensions as well and because it's uh, it's i think in part in part it's also it's the progression what has led to that uh, mm -hmm. uh, is this you know the, the awareness and this whole yeah. you know with one of the biggest basic questions of uh, um, humans and human nature is that you know what's behind what's beyond just us as human beings yeah. 
you know, that's that's what leads to all the spiritual and you know religion religions and all these uh, uh, different uh, different areas and. Uh, People are more open to that, and even uh, what I'm, I'm very glad to see that even science is much more open to that. To use yeah. uh, many of those, to integrate many of those as tools. That's mm -hmm. also I wanna, we will definitely also integrate that also in ob objective recovery and offer those uh, uh, as uh, treatment options, uh, you know, treatment recommendations to the people who seem to match, who seem to have an interest in those, uh, because it's not there are many there have been many scientific studies, you know, it's just one area that many uh, neuroscientists study now. Yeah. These days is meditation, the, uh, yeah. the benefits of meditation. It used to be uh, perceived as something uh, esoteric, and you know people don't see it that way because the people don't know uh, these days aren't associated necessarily with, with you know Buddhism and things like that. It's more just uh, an exercise that we can do in for different purposes. And all the other you know the psychedelics and all these uh, other interests. And yeah. so it's also it's, it's it's the world is becoming definitely you know our our horizons are definitely opening up. So that's why. I'm so excited to live in this era this this yeah. few years because it's just so many possibilities like endless and it's compared to like 10 years ago even definitely 20 years ago it's very very different so yeah so this brings us back to that and we started off part of our conversation talking about mental health in the 21st century and i have a new perspective after talking to you for the even though it it's been like it almost a couple hours, but like it, it seems like it went so fast, but even in that short time, I've, I've had a reflection. And if I use your life as the metaphor, like you started off with recovery, but now like the last half of our conversation has been about optimization. You've told me all these ways you've optimized your life. You've shared with us tools that you've used. You've talked about ways in which you've seen the world. And it really seems to me like you've optimized and you're continuing to do so. And so that, I think that that is what mental health in the 21st century is going to be. We're going to be moving from recovery to optimization and it's happening. And I can see it in you alone. Like I'm looking at the, the sign that says objective recovery and you tell us the story and then here you are, you know, 20, 30 years later optimizing. Like, and that is the path that objective recovery is going to show to people. When people come in and they meet you, they're going to see your story. When they watch this, they're going to see your story and they're going to see where you are. And I, I think it's a story of optimization. Maybe, maybe recovery is the beginning of optimization. What do you think? The, definitely. The, the way I see recovery, that's exactly how I see it. Because, you know, just getting into recovery after, you know, yeah. just uh, having a big problem, that's yeah. a long process. So that's yes. definitely, very definitely a process of opti optimization. And, yeah. and the other word that uh, is being used for this is uh, another buzzword is self-improvement. And that's also another like fashion trend these mm -hmm. days. And it's all, it's to the point that, that some people even suggest that it's too much, that uh, we are always preoccupied by the thoughts of uh, self-improvement and improvement, improvement. So I am by nature mm -hmm. also, it's a big, you know, improvement junkie. <laughs> to put it yeah. that way and, and sometimes it's so i i definitely feel i i don't reject those ideas when they suggest that it can be a bit too much sometimes because uh, it can prevent uh, i 
tend to struggle very often with you know being able to relax and you know if you yeah. always think in that way that you want to optimize you want to improve and even just thinking even just the thought processes to optimize your thought processes it's like always on and on and on it's just spinning all the time so you you never relax and so <laughs> that can definitely be also a problem because you know we need rest as well and we also need sometimes and you know that's why people develop the these uh, uh, ideas that we self self acceptance or acceptance mm. and you know radical acceptance whatever term and terminology you, you like to to focus on and uh, so it's that's also one of those things that uh, it's definitely op uh, optimization and improvement is a good thing but um, um, uh, not probably not ex excessively so it's the, the question of dosage what is the right dosage mm. and what is the right way to what is the optimal way to optimize something it's like being very meta <laughs> yeah totally it is definitely henry i'm having an absolute blast with you and i i really you know you and i have talked quite a bit on linkedin and we have shared some thoughts about posts and we've some really great conversations, but I got to say, talking to you here has exceeded all of my expectations. I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm hopeful that we can, we can do it more often because I think that the tools you're providing for people are, I mean, I'm a little selfish because the tools are helping me. So I'm hopeful that they help other people. So I, I thank you for doing that. And I'm, I'm curious if there's anything that we, have we, is there anything that we haven't covered that, that you wanted to cover? Um, it's probably it's time to wrap up because it's also I think it's probably for the sake of the audience, you know, not to lose them. But uh, I think we can leave it at that. And uh, again, I also would like to thank you very much for having me. And I, I tremendously enjoy this conversation and, you know, just getting to, to know you a bit. And uh, I definitely also agree that, you know, we have, uh, you know, just many, many shared interests yeah. and in overlaps in how we approach things. So it's, very, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And uh, so speaking of improvement and optimization, I would be, you know, if, 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 if you want, I would be uh, happy to come back another time. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we could, we could revisit maybe a, in a year or something like that. That can, that, than that. Also, that can be also helpful for me, you know, as a kind of a accountability that, you know, having that as a perspective that, you know, what am I mm -hmm. going to present in a year? And, yeah. Um, so hopefully it will be an improved version of the company and myself and everything. Yeah. I In my mind's eye, I have this idea of building a platform where people can have like an interesting debate, like some of the some of the topics that we covered. I thought it would be fascinating if we could get like a panel of four people, and then we could have a topic that maybe people are, maybe it's Chat GPT or maybe it's this idea of optimization, and we could all have a different opinion about what it was, and then halfway through we would be forced to argue from the other point of view. And I think that that would be an interesting conversation for people to join in and. So anyways, I've got a lot of things I'm working on in my mind too, is, is what I guess I'm trying to say. And um, I would love to have you back way sooner than a year. I'm definitely going to hold your feet to the fire and keep you accountable because I think that people can follow on this journey and they can learn. And um, before I let you go, though, where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Yeah, so the best way uh, uh, at the moment to find me would be LinkedIn. So if you just 
take my name it's very unique so uh, just put in uh, you know just uh, uh, everyone can find me very easily there is also a lot of information about my my scientific research mm -hmm. and publications that right. everything online and many of those unfortunately are not accessible uh, publicly because the Germans put, put it behind the paywall but please if everyone anyone is interested reach out to me I can always send a copy uh, for free uh, uh, of those publications and uh, most importantly uh, we will have a website up soon uh, for objective recovery it will be uh, objectiverecovery.com so objective recovery one word and .com and so uh, you will uh, people can will, will be able to find more information specifically about this there will also be educational aspects and also just to mention that we plan to, uh, to have actually uh, you, you 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 just mentioned that it would be interesting to have a panel yeah. discussion yeah so, this is one thing that we uh, uh, that uh, I think you can. It would be very uh, very interesting, probably for your podcast. So do you do this, do some of those because they can be really fun and have different perspectives. But we plan to do one of those yeah. quite soon in about two two weeks of time uh, uh, with some other people on LinkedIn. And the topic we are we are building a business in public and how we different. So we are a, a group, small group of people doing different building different businesses with quite different backgrounds and we share different stories and our perspectives and answer questions so uh, there will be posts about that on LinkedIn and uh, and usually it's uh, also when I uh, uh, I don't really attend many conferences this year because mm -hmm. I want to focus on on this company and building mm -hmm. the product but uh, uh, when I do I, I, I will also post about that or they will be on the website yeah I can't wait to check it all out it sounds fascinating to me I would recommend everybody listening to this or watching this go to the show notes Check out Henrietta, see what she's going on. She's an incredibly compassionate person who has helped a lot of people and I think is about to help more people than she could possibly imagine with objective recovery. I'm really thankful that you were kind enough to share your experiences. I think that that's the way people learn is through stories and, and understanding other people's traumas. And it's not always easy to talk about them. So thank you for doing that. I will be in touch. And ladies and gentlemen, hang on for one second, Henry. I'm going to hang up with everybody, but I want to talk to you for one more moment. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here and spending time with us. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And we will be back soon. Aloha, everybody. Thank you so much. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, 
it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.